Today we want to talk about Eid, Eid al-Adha, coming up, uh, yep. the end of Hajj. Yep. What does that mean for us? Now, for us people who are non-Hajjis, at least this year, it means a day of celebration, but at the same time, commemoration, remembering that even though we're celebrating the day of Eid, those in Hajj right now are not celebrating Eid the same way we are celebrating Eid. And it's a commemoration because of the fact that this Eid, unlike the other Eid, is a day of celebration that has very specific things that happen and are initiated as a result of. So what I mean by that is, number one, on this Eid, the slaughter takes place. The slaughter of, you know, an animal for, you know, for distribution. So distribution takes place in this Eid. And that's probably, who knows, one of the logical points behind why it's three days instead of two. Maybe, you know, you need time to distribute, to give around. It's logistical Eid, if you know what I mean, not just a celebratory Eid. Anyway, the second thing is it's a Eid where we do certain religious, kind of, we have certain religious add-ons like the shriek for example you know yeah the, re- the prayers, recitation after recitation each prayer after yeah each prayer the hand uh you know so we don't often have that in the other i mean we have it generally but we don't have it specifically ordained um but for this seed we do yep so these are just two kind of introductory points and going back to what we were mentioning earlier about hajj the hajis have their read but it's not the eid we know of you know what I mean? They slaughter the animal and so forth. But that's the day we have Eid. You know, Eid al-Adha being the day after Arafah in the U, you know, in the UK or the US or wherever you are. Um, but for them, it's it's different. It's not Eid Eid. You know, it, they carry on with their Hajj. I mean, as you will tell me, you know, after you do your slaughter, you, you know, you do what you've got to do. The day, the the the, 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 the rituals continue. The the Hajj continues. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of it's quite a quiet day. So well, it's quite a busy day in the morning. Doing the the stoning, yeah. followed by the the shaving of the head, and then the sacrifice, the kurbani, uh, so sacrificing an animal. Uh, but after that, it's still continued time spent in Mina before before perhaps the next day, the the final tawaf and the farewell. So when you were there, did you consider it to be Eid? We did. People are saying Eid Mubarak, but it's not the same. It's not the same feeling. Like they don't do Eid prayer, for example. Yeah, is a pretty pretty big yeah. part of doing Eid. Yeah, uh, when you're not just on like where as. Hajj, I'm assuming you didn't fast on Arafah either. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas people do around the world. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not a un- it's not a united Eid, and I don't mean it in a bad way. It's not the Eid al Fitr where everybody, of course, taking into account different time zones, does the same thing. You know, Ramadan is over. We have our Eid. We eat. No one's fasting. It's the end. First of Shawwal. Done. It's exactly. Different. Yeah. Whereas for Hajj, we have people on Hajj doing their thing, people not on Hajj doing something a bit different. Yeah. There is... I appreciate that with the advent of technology, also the idea of people from our family who are traveling to the pilgrimage, if they are, or relatives, or just our connection, just a spiritual connection with those in Hajj right now. Just knowing that 
we're doing a need in our own way with our families and the hujjaj are doing their own thing it can be out of sync but at the same time it's quite powerful to know that we're having our eid but there are people who are very fortunate to be in that position who are also there doing the worship doing the activities and you feel part of something bigger as well that way um yeah it's nice to think that there's sort of a single grounded moment of okay while we're doing our eid this is similar time to when people are standing on the plains of arafat or when they're finishing the hajj yeah so in that in that sense it celebrates kind of the end of it yeah and there's that anchorage and on that point i mean just going back to eid growing up as a kid to now i i almost found and i don't know if others will share this view with me that eid al-adha has been kind of a an underrated eid and an, an understated eid eid al-fitr i think got more of the kudos growing up as a kid so the, the big one after the big, ramadan big one after ramadan everyone's in the in the mode in, in the, the mode zone. and it's the kind of 30 days here's eid whereas from my understanding and tell me if it echoes with yours eid al-adha is the great eid the grand eid but then the hajis are not doing it if you know what i mean three days for example in parts of the world the eastern parts of the world in south asia and the subcontinent people look forward to eid al-adha a lot more than eid al-fitr almost kind of counter intuitively you know the idea of slaughter and sacrifice whereas for us i guess in the west where we have lux- the luxury of food and comforts we often look forward to eid al-fitr in an indirect way more than we look forward because, to uh, because it's at the end of ramadan end so of ramadan kind of, there's a finality yeah it's the conclusion it's the wrapping up of something we've been S- doing all something month something we've been doing all month i also found that eid al-fitr at the end of it i found it quite exciting and relieving where you're fine ramadan's over you have eid al-fitr but then there's things to look forward to when i mean things to look forward to you've got the six days of shawwal that's another obstacle that you can have overcome and then afterwards you still got this I mean, the Eid coming to look forward to. You think, okay, well, you know, Hajj is not too far away, a couple of months, we'll have another Eid. But then one thing I found is after Eid al-Adha, there's a great void as to what is happening next. Like yeah. There's What's next in the ca- yeah, calendar? Yeah, winter, yeah. Muharram, or late kind of autumn, whenever Muharram is next with the 9th and the 10th or 10th and 11th or whatever, you know, fasting the days of Ashura. But there's no kind of, there's a long gap, I think, until the next thing, which is Ramadan. So it's kind of a, I used to feel that, I mean, maybe growing up in the West, I used to really look forward to these days of celebration or these days of commemoration. It's just like how in the West you have your religious celebrations, but also you have your, you know, your bank holidays, haha, your, you know, your, you know, your cultural day, St. George's Day, St. Patrick's Day, all these things. But for Muslims, we have our own calendar with our own days to look forward to. And I think there's a big gap, a sizable gap, to some extent after i guess depending on which group of islamic thinking you follow because some people have other days that they celebrate others don't you know you know if for example someone of the shiite school would have certain days and people of a sufi tradition would have certain days that people of other traditions may not so no but generally there's a bit of a sizable gap until the next yeah. thing yeah i think it comes back to that idea of you know, Islam goes beyond just uh, Eid and Jummah prayers. Yeah, uh, there's every day in between. You have you have five prayers and that continuous, continuous striving. I think I think it's good to have that sort of, you know, twice a year big. You know, the entire community is 
coming together for this this one celebration. Yeah. But on an individual level, a family level, it continues throughout the year, doesn't it? You have Jummah every week as, mm. a, as a nice touch point. Yeah. Weekends. Yeah. Yeah. It's like really nice when you still have opportunities to come together with your your local community, if not the international community. Yeah. But your Eid is on on another level when you know yeah. Muslims throughout the world are celebrating, and that's something I really used to enjoy doing is sitting down on Eid day and scrolling or maybe the night before Ramadan as well just go on Twitter search I'm not big on Twitter but just search for Ramadan and just scroll through just these completely disparate tweets from people all across the world never met each other completely different walks of life yeah all celebrating all excited for Ramadan and the same for Eid and Eid as well you can get much more visual you can go on yeah uh, you can go on Snapchat and they have the little map of the world I remember clicking through all the different places on on the world, and you can see it was it was quite uh, visual actually. You could see everyone doing their kurbani for some reason. Yeah. So you could just see on their snap story them doing kurbani in in the street. And I remember checking out like North Africa, and you can look in Southeast Asia as well. They have their lights up. So it's all these different places celebrating in. I wouldn't say different ways. It's pretty much the same. You celebrate. You go to the mosque. You have Eid prayer is a huge integral part of it. You also have the the slaughter. But also people have their different ways of celebrating that in terms of different lights, different outfits, yep. uh, different ways of, of cooking and cooking, coming yeah. together with the family. Absolutely. And when you, when when we kind of draw it to the West, it's interesting where I found, and I don't know if others will echo with me, I find Eid, when I mention Eid, Eid is becoming underrated, I find as generations move on, a lot of people don't even take the day off, I find to just say this is Eid, this is sacred. I'm gonna take it off, just like people take off Christmas Day. I find a lot of people, some not out of choice, some out of choice, will be like, "Yes, yeah, Eid, do my Eid prayer, go back to work." Or oh, there's no point. Let me just save the annual leave for another day. It's, you know what is Eid? To be honest, it's just it's just Eid prayer, isn't it? And just feel, yeah, I'll see my parents over the time. Or, I almost found that when I was back when growing up as a kid, Eid you look forward to. It was like, wow, this is Eid. You meet your family, you meet your extended relatives. Yeah, I didn't really have many extended families, if at all, uh, relatives, if at all, in the in the UK. But this idea, oh, you meet your extended families, you meet your friends if you can, but mainly with your family. Um, you wear you wear your Eid clothes. You, you have special dishes, special food. Um, there's a family community kind of experience. But I think as well, growing up in our professions and our lives and our hustle and bustle orientated routines and regimes there's a risk that Eid becomes just another day if we don't take the time to make it something special and we are fortunate that our families and our wider communities and maybe the generations that are with us are retaining that spirit but I personally am seeing that amongst our kind of age group or younger even to in some respects Eid has become a bit of just another day and I think that's quite sad but then at the same time there's also a new kind of trend where Eid is also becoming more and more in and it's kind of kind of a small I, th- I think the spirit is coming back in a new way I think that social media TikTok and whatever has made Eid more profound and more enjoyable than it I think has been for a a short while yeah i know what you mean um i know i've definitely gone to work before on eid especially when you're not sure 
which day it is can you get annual leave in time like how is that how is that gonna work uh, but but i bet you when it's christmas oh yeah we'll take the leave when it's christmas yeah. or easter or the easter bank holiday we're down to take leave where are yeah we're gonna go off eat uh, well, exactly i, I think i save my leave until the summer really or till, uh, yeah exactly i think when people kind of really prioritize it if they're able to say okay look let's make this a day where we don't just go to the mosque we also then spend time with family we do something nice and really make a day of it like um always trying to do presents or gifts or yeah. you know really bring like your best food your best outfit and really really celebrate and elevate it i think that's really good and i was just reading an article which was the author was saying how it's important to do that for your kids like you said like that will be the thing they remember you don't want them thinking oh you know why do we have one eid and then the other eid sometimes you know sometimes dad goes to work but uh, it was christmas they get you know a whole three four days off they have christmas eve christmas day boxing day and then on to new year and, and we have our three days for either other and we don't we don't take it necessarily and what do we do to really make it feel like three days of celebration yeah that's a really good point yeah because we just do the one day and then like yeah normal yeah day. but it's three days and it's three days in the muslim world in the eastern kind of in east asia southeast asia south asia it's a three-day thing the distribution the celebration the consumption of meat the wearing of good clothes i mean you wear your eid clothes on eid day the day after you go back to your t-shirts and your jogging bottoms right i mean <laughs> there you go there you are it's over like yeah. it's like i don't know what it is but the day after eid everybody just decides to just dress down heavily i don't <laughs> know why man. i swing swing back swing back right yeah but um yeah i mean i just found i just think that if we believe in a level of community and for the next generation after us, if you're thinking about kids and family and whatever, to to create and foster that Eid spirit in wherever part of the world we are, especially in the West, in the UK or the US or wherever, we, we might need to think about how we can go about doing that. And one way which I was thinking about is, should we have more of a local tradition of Qurbani? I think that's a really good idea because a lot of the time we do Qurbani, we send our money abroad. and we, Which we, we should do. Yeah, it's good, yeah. yeah. And you can you know, feed people who are in need, and that's great. But and then, our family as well, or extended family, and yeah. perhaps in less fortunate areas in the world, yeah. Yeah, but you become, I mean, we become so detached from it. Like, it's gone from, like, my grandma saying how she reared the animals before they slaughtered them on the Eid day, and then they, you know, enjoy enjoy that feast afterwards. But we're at a point where, oh, well, we just, you know, we pay for it, and it happens somewhere else. We don't even raise the animal we don't even get the meat at the end yeah, let it's, alone do it's the... a, a rush to call up whatever charity we can just like mm, how much is it well it's 60 pounds in is it which country okay i'll don't know oh, i wonder here's my credit card uh, done exactly it becomes so becomes so detached yeah we kind of do the bare minimum the eat prayer we pay for the qurbani board we're actually enjoying it it's meant to be a day of enjoyment enjoying it for ourselves i think that's a really good point you make that's something i want to try and bring back in my life i know yeah. i've and I, I think it's enough. being part of nature as well, having a connection with Eid as a local thing, you know, s- slaughtering an animal or whatever, or distributing the meat. And as we know in the rules, these things were kind of a bit removed from the idea of one third for the poor, one third for the community or your relatives or your close ones, friends. And then one third for yourself to keep if, if you wish now those three kind of guidelines we often heard and i've heard well in the uk we don't have poverty the same way we'd have poverty in some parts of the world so how do we really distribute it to 
the poor. Now, maybe you could argue, interpret, well, you give it to a homeless shelter. That could be it. Or we readapt our categories and we think in the, those three rules, they apply in many societies or traditional societies or some parts of the world now. But maybe in the UK, we have to remodify what we think of the three guidelines. It might be that you give two thirds to your friends and family and neighbours and everybody and you keep one third to yourself because there's no real poverty of course there is poverty in the uk i'm not saying there isn't cost of living crisis and homeless people. we get that but i mean generally you know there's no poverty like there is poverty in some parts of the world so maybe it might be that yeah. or maybe we might think no let's go out and give it to homeless people maybe it's giving it to non-muslims as well i mean given we are with non-muslims in our in our community i think that's a really good point like we're meant to as you said a third for ourselves our community and the poor what how do we actually access that? We know ourselves very well. It's easy to keep some meat for ourselves. Yeah. How many people are actually connected to their community? How many people know them well by name, would go yeah. around to their house, give them food? I think that's becoming increasingly rare. I think, like you said, what about maybe some people know their Muslim neighbors? What about their non-Muslim neighbors? Yeah. Uh, and I, I know what you mean about the, the poverty. It's much harder to go out here and, you know, do that tangibly, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. If anything, like, you know, it's very strongly felt when you're here that there is a lot of poverty either that you read about or you see on the streets or on the news just in terms of the numbers I and mean, maybe not people who are destitute in the street in the same way but definitely you know if we know that the numbers of people accessing food banks are rising there's definitely yeah. a need there is there i think that's a really important point that i've heard uh scholars in the west like sheikh abdul hakim marad often emphasize like our duty as muslims in the west is not just to other muslims uh, it's to all of all of mankind uh not just to other believers but to all of allah's creation as uh, stewards of of the earth as, uh, we should look after his, his creatures his plants his animals and all, all people in our society so what's stopping there being muslim food banks where it's very easy to go and donate a third of your your cooking why is the, the masjid not running a soup kitchen and in fairness i have seen yeah massages that do and i think that's really good like for example even in yeah in yeah iftars or whatever i know it's more to the local uh, more to muslims but yeah community iftars for non-muslims as well yeah and so that could actually be a really good way of reintroducing that helping people i think i mean and nowadays is could you give people just the raw meat to give to them to take home and cook it, so, and that's quite interesting because if you were to give now again parts of the world you go around with a bag of raw meat. They'll be like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, thank you. You do that around here. People are like, oh, are you a creep? You know, yeah. so, no, no, I'm being serious. You know, like, yeah. it's not, but if you give them cooked stuff, they might not like it. It's just, or they might, or might. It's, it's an interesting one, yeah. culturally, how we can might adapt. And how do you even cook the meat? Like, in some parts of the world, they'll cook it in a certain way. Do you want it, do you want to give out steaks? Is it a barbecue? Is it burgers? A community barbecue? Is that the way you distribute it? I mean, that could be a very simple way of simple way. fulfilling uh, fulfilling the rights. Fulfilling yeah. the rights, and we've got so much nature and greenery in the UK, yeah. even in London, like yeah. just an urban forest, to exploit, if you know what I mean, for things like Eid. And uh, these are some initiatives which I think the Muslim community, or you know, our community or our generation can think about innovatively going forward. So then we and the children that will come from this community will be part of that local Eid atmosphere and that will sustain, I think, kind of a connection with 
family and community and culture and faith going forward. Interesting, last summer I was in the States and I visited an area um, in kind of in New York, kind of outer New York in upstate. And in that area, not so not in the New York City or anything, but in the area you could have communities, Muslim communities and Muslim neighborhoods forming in areas of great land and greenery and they would do their own qurbani because you simply could you could buy you know given america is a great agricultural farming kind of nation at its root you could buy a cow you could buy a goat you can buy a lamb and you could literally do it yourself and have have the land to raise that and have the land to raise that do it yourself feed your family so everyone would drive to kind of a kind of like a little bit of a country home and have a stayover because then the houses are huge in that country and you have your family eat that way and that's them doing their eat celebrations in america and in the uk i've seen and i'm sure you've seen local qurbani orders happening now in your halal butchers so you can go and get your qurbani i think two three hundred pounds maybe more maybe i'm out of date you can get a share of a cow you can even order a full cow remember in right you know a long time ago a full cow would cost you about a thousand to probably way more now but people would do a whole cow probably a small one and then distribute that to everybody um even in the uk and then what would happen is the day after eid um some big burly guy from a van would come and knock on your door and say there's meat and then you'd get stack loads of black bin bags full of meat and then just dump it and say oh. this is being slaughtered. And then it's a it's a very different urban urban kurbani, where you're in the city of London, surrounding suburbia. You got ten bags of meat, and you and your mum or your brother or your sister are all just putting it into little polythene bags, you know. So it's equal this year. Then yep, and they put a little sticky pad on and note it. This is for this family or that family or this uncle or this aunt or this relative. And then you're doing the rounds, maybe put it in the car or take the bus or going around to your neighbors knocking on the door here's some meat some people would give it to you you know others would give less and it's an interesting one meat almost means tested uh others would just come and give you two pieces of meat two morsels tiny you know other people in a tiny little bag the idea is you'd mix that with right whatever curry you're making or whatever dish you're making whatever kebab you're making you'd add it up and it's kind of you know how people mix zamzam like a cocktail with other water just a little drop with a a normal bottle of water and it amplifies the whole thing so it is happening it does happen but i think even mainstream shops are asda taking kurbani orders so i'm saying there is a growth and but i think our generation can have the potential to make it bigger you know community barbecue community uh, kurbani giving or maybe it could be us going and seeing this the slaughter without you know maybe you know how we're moving towards, and I'm sure you've seen it too, how we have Eid prayers at the field now, Eid, yeah. as opposed to just going to the mosque. So we're transitioning yeah. to some extent into that. So I think that can also be a healthy transition too. Yeah, and I think that's how it was traditionally done for Eid prayers, is that the whole community, maybe from a few local villages, would all go to the same big place outdoors for, for Eid prayers. And then there was so much space, like the women could come, the children could come, and yeah. anyone anyone who wasn't praying at the time could also just sit at the back and the children could be running around. So it worked, it worked really nicely. And I think that's what's really interesting looking at us here, you know, in London, you know, 1400 years after Hijra and actually all of this stuff is still 
not just feasible but excellent like it's yeah. still excellent to hold a barbecue it's still excellent to distribute meat it's still a, a perfect way of life for us yeah and i think i think it's for like you said it's for us our generation to really lean into that and actually see not just what's the bare minimum we can do but what's the most we can do to really revive the sunnah and bring this to life and live it to its fullest in a way that's pleasing to allah honoring of uh, prophet muhammad peace be upon him's message and uh, ultimately what's best for our own souls